And welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. This is your host, Nick Cameron. I am the sole everyone of Glacially Musical, of course. This week, we are starting something a little bit different. I am trying to change up how the podcast works and all that kind of good stuff. I'm switching to a bit more of the news kind of thing and a little bit more, just a little bit more personal stuff. My One of my favorite podcasts is The Fourth Line Voice and Darren does a weekly solo show, which I don't think I have enough in me to do a complete solo show, but I do think I can do half of a solo show, kind of. But for me, you know, doing this has always been, it's never been about myself. It's never been about me. It's been about trying to get some more people out there, get their names out there and all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, that's what this is all about for me. This is about helping people find an audience. And that's, I just want to be a conduit for that. And I'm very excited for all the opportunities and everything that has come my way from doing, you know, music journalism. And I'm now just switching to a slightly different kind of music journalism. I am now switching the the Glacial Musical daily blog into a twice weekly podcast. As of right now, there are two different segments that are going on with what I'm doing. And the first one is a long form series I've got going on with uh, Keithy of Ghost Cult Magazine, where we are doing some wonderful, cool stuff, digging deeply into Metallica and their whole career. Uh, funny enough, I'm actually wearing my Metallica Ride the Lightning t-shirt as I record this and listen to the Through the Never Live album during some wonderful quality alone time I had with me with myself last night. But to get to a little bit of news that has just been announced that Old Man Wizard is dropping a new album. It's going to be their last one, which is a little unfortunate because I really, really enjoy Old Man Wizard, but their new album is going to be coming out in in November. So we've got some time on that and I am, I am excited. You know, what Francis said about it, this is my favorite album I've ever made. I love the songs I wrote for it. I love working on it. And I'm really looking forward to sharing it with everyone. The plan was to record it in a very old school way. Guitar, bass, drums, live in the same room together with only eight inputs. You know, they are a great doom metal band in my humble opinion. And I cannot wait to get a copy of this. Hopefully there will be a really sweet copy of this released on vinyl. And Francis, you might recall, was the, the main guy in... Uh, King Gorm as well. And King Gorm made it to my personal list of 10 best records from 2020 there. And that was the the number one for me. And I am excited to hear what's coming on this week from this one. Uh, on personal notes, myself, I picked up uh, last night I while I was listening to some Metallica, uh, reliving all that goodness. I actually picked up finally a copy of Dynasty by by Kiss on vinyl. And as everybody knows, I'm a big vinyl guy and just really, really excited to actually finally have a copy of that. It's it's goofy, I know, but you know what? It is what it is and I'm happy with it. So I will get with that. Let's see what other cool stuff is in the news these days. 
casket robbery. Yeah, casket robbery, the death metal, death metal outfit horde from Wisconsin, I believe. They've got a new album coming out soon. And they have a single that you can pre-save. It's coming out on August 13th. It's called The Hidden, The Hideous. And, you know, this the latest single marks a further expansion of the band's quintessential sound, mixed and mastered by Christian Donaldson of Cryptopsy and engineered by Troy Powell at Unintended Studios. The Hidden, The Hideous will satisfy death metal cravings of both new and existing fans alike. That is going to be, I think, something really cool. Check out more information from them at casketrobbery.com. And, of course, casketrobbery.bandcamp.com and all of the usual social media links. So that is really cool if you ask me. On Transcending Obscurity Records, they got some new stuff coming out. Bizarre from Spain has a new record coming out on in October. Uh, exhumed from the crypts of the forgotten finished death metal gods the music of bizarre is like an ancient dark force that has been summoned to be unleashed with magnified intensity upon the unsuspecting masses shrouded in layers of impenetrable darkness reeking of otherworldly lovecraftian horror and impenetrable darkness reeking of uh, oh sorry sorry Horror and mystique, the music has an enchanting effect on the audience. Possessed sounding vocals instill a fear, penetrating deep into the subconscious as the guitars weave a dual-pronged attack, comprising of body-maiming riffs and heart-stabbing melodies that sound like plaintive cries of souls trapped in bottomless limbo. You know what? That sounds pretty... Pretty sweet, if you ask me. That's going to be coming out in October, like I said. And Training, Transcending Obscurity frequently releases stuff on vinyl. So let's take a look, see if there is actually going to be a vinyl edition of this record. Uh, last thing I got from them, I think, was Master's Vindictive Miscreant, which was awesome. Uh, a couple of videos coming out. Uh, da, 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 da. Yep, there. Oh, there is a really, really gorgeous splatter vinyl. I've never seen one this color. It's about 15 different colors. That is awesome. Uh, I'm going to check out this record myself, and then I'm going to see I see about pre-ordering that stuff, because that is awesome. But let's see, what else is there to tell you? I mean, I don't know. What do you want to hear about? What do you want to know? Did pick up a copy of... Bob Seeger's Live Silver Bullet. Last week, I had a good, I had a good uh, moment of time, and my 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 kid and I we went out shopping and while we were shopping the on Friday my wife pointed out that record exchange who doesn't participate in record store day proper as they're a used only record store on Hampton Avenue in St. Louis Missouri one of the oldest record stores out and they told you know they had a 25% off sale so my wife suggested that I check it out and I had just purchased some some records online and all that kind of good stuff. And, but I, I didn't really need to buy anything, but I felt that if I don't take advantage of these times where she tells me about records being on sale, supporting local communities in St. Louis, she might stop. So we went, I found a couple of things. One of the coolest things I found was that live so I got that live silver bullet for four dollars it's a really old pressing unfortunately it's a adbc or one four two three pressing so you gotta wait 
set up for automatic flipping record players, which I don't have. So it's kind of irritation. I've also got that on uh, Rush, the lighted stage, and I want to say my Thin Lizzy record is that way too. Both my Who records, Quadrophenia and and Tommy are both that way as well. So I actually don't listen to them very much because of that, the way that's pressed. But, you know, not a big fan of Bob Seger, but I'm a big fan of live records and iconic albums. And that's definitely that. And, but one of the other cool things was in, as they were having the 25% off sale, I went ahead and I checked the, checked the the incoming or the, the new records and they had a copy of Pink Floyd's uh, Umaguma, Umaguma, I don't know how to pronounce it. And they had a copy of that. It was $24, then 25% off. So it was $18. That is honestly my least favorite Pink Floyd album of the entirety of their entire collection, including Endless River. I would rather listen to Endless River, A Momentary Lapse, or A Momentary Lapse, A Reason, than this one. Or so I thought. I picked it up because, you know, it's there. It's in the wild. There's nothing more intoxicating being a record. There's nothing more intoxicating to a record collector in 2021 than finding something fun in the wild. We live in a world where we can, I could find, there's no record that's ever been pressed that I've ever wanted that I could not purchase right now on the internet. And sometimes it's, it's more fun just to find them. And I found that one. So I took it home and actually I, I appreciate that album a lot more. And one of the things that I've been talking a lot about lately with some friends and that kind of thing is how we really believed that the CD was the most perfect music medium delivery, most perfect media source to deliver music but what we didn't know at the time was how much people didn't know about actually getting the analog albums on to a cd so there's a lot of albums that i have kind of picked up on vinyl just because i found them in the wild that i didn't much care for and i really appreciate them more a lot of kiss records like that asylum i never enjoyed asylum but after getting a copy of that and Kiss Unmasked and even Animalize, I have really grown to appreciate those more. And uh, Pink Floyd's Amagama is kind of the same thing for me as I really appreciate that album a lot more hearing it in the original vinyl sources. But anyway, I think I have rambled on about nothing enough. But, uh, you know, thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate that. A couple of shout outs. Want to give a big shout out to my good friend Duncan Evans, who joins me on the Department of Metal Antiquities podcast, which I think is a great podcast. Hopefully people are listening to that. Uh, Darren from the Fourth Lane Voice, um, good guy out of Saskatoon, likes to drink a couple of beers, play, watch, read some hockey, play with some hockey cards and talk about the old school hockey that I was growing up with. I actually was watching some LNAH fights today with my daughter because I'm a terrible father who likes to have fun. And just trying to remind her what it was like growing up about how much hockey has changed. <laughs> I'm not going to be an old man yelling at the clouds necessarily, but I am yelling at the clouds. And it, it's just so much different now. And it's really cool that what I love about that podcast is it really keeps the stories alive and it puts hockey into a historical record for people who are watching it 
new. I mean, trying to explain to my daughter what it was like when there'd be a bad call and the fans would start throwing their beers on the ice and how that was not an uncommon occurrence. But now you would never see that. When that happens, anytime that happens now, in the rare times it does, there's all kinds of social media firestorms, classless fans and gutless and cowardly and blah, 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 whatever, right? It was all good fun back in the old days before they got the big fancy shiny arenas and salary caps and whatnot. But that's that's a, a podcast I really enjoy listening to. And, you know, it's it's always cool to, to check stuff out. But uh, today I am joined by a dark folk, doom folk, blackened folk artist uh, named Autumn. Her band is Forever Autumn. They've got a, a new EP coming out in about a month. And you can check out all of her stuff, as she'll tell you as well, at uh, foreverautumn.bandcamp.com. We, this is going to be the, this is the first interview of the new version of the Glacier Musical podcast, where we discuss because everybody likes something in pop culture, every, especially metal people. Metal people are the nerdiest people in the world, if you ask me. So it was really cool to discuss a common interest. We both love Japanese RPGs. So without further ado, I will now bring in Autumn and hopefully you enjoy. And we are joined by Autumn. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. It's a wonderful morning, and I've got my cup of tea, so I'm good. Oh, what kind of tea do you got there? Um, Berries Irish breakfast tea, my staple. I put back a pot of uh, Taylor's of Harrogate Scottish breakfast tea while I was cooking breakfast today. Good stuff. I always, I will only drink breakfast tea while I'm making breakfast. I tend Uh, to drink breakfast tea for most of the day. I know most people do, but I can't bring, once I found out that it was called breakfast tea, I could no longer bring myself to drink it at any other time besides breakfast. That's understandable. No, it's stupid, but that's not the point. Uh, so tell, tell my listeners about you, uh, your, your music, and what you got going on right now. Well, right now, um, my band is Forever Autumn, and right now we are getting ready to release a new EP called Hail the Forest Dark. That will be out the 3rd of September. So little over a month we're almost there not too far away and this is it's a little departure from what we usually do i i like to call my music acoustic doom slash blackened death folk but this ep is more of a black and doom metal sort of thing it's it's plugged in that's pretty crazy and and uh it was a whole lot of fun i would like to thank you for introducing our listeners to yet another doom metal sub sub genre i find that doom metal which is my personal favorite kind of metal as i've gotten older has the most sub sub genres and i think that's amazing so acoustic doom thank you you're welcome my pleasure uh where can that be pre-ordered it can be pre-ordered on bandcamp bandcamp it's about the greatest thing in the world i would suggest pre-order if hopefully fingers crossed this goes up on the 26th so if you wait till See, so 26th, 30th, if you wait till the first, just wait one week, and I believe we have another Bandcamp Friday coming up. Nice. We also have a a little poster with some, with a photograph by myself that will be going with the pre-orders. Very cool. What uh, what formats are you releasing it on? I'm releasing a vinyl edition, a CD, and I'm hoping to do a cassette tape, but the people I'm trying to work with keep being out of what I need. 
So we'll see if that happens. I love talking about cassette tapes with with musicians, not because I'm a big fan of them, but because I completely don't understand this revival. And everybody I have talked to, and I've talked to probably about 10 or 15 now, and the response I always get is, I don't get it, but they always sell out. No, well, I don't quite have that much. I don't get it either. Um, It seems, I didn't realize it was a thing coming back until somebody told me. I just, I still listen to my cassette tapes and I have my Walkman and my tape player and. My, my <laughs> wife still has cassette tapes from when she was a kid and she won't get rid of them. And we go to Goodwill and she still buys cassette tapes. And I'm like, where are you going to play these? She doesn't have a Walkman. She doesn't have a boom box. Two no. cars ago, she had, two cars ago, she had a tape. Two deck. cars ago. Wait, no, one car ago, one car ago, she had a tape deck. So the last two out of her last three, but. I mean, my our next cars aren't even going to have CD players. So, like I said, I don't yeah, get it. But apparently, uh, apparently, it is a revival that is going strong. I just maybe it's because we were so rough on cassette tapes when they were right, where it went in in the right time frame. That because mm-hmm. I always remember a friend of mine listening listening to, I believe it was Van Halen for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. It's either that or Fifty One Fifty, and they got to a part where he would always go. Tapes suck because he had he had stretched the tape. That's I'm sorry. That's 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 my digression. Well, I remember untwisting my tapes and pulling them out so you could do your surgery on them. It oh was, yeah, Scotch it was ridiculous, but it was fun. It's also the only medium where you can accidentally tape over it. That's true. Which I ruined two copies of Black Sabbath Live Evil on a 1970s an album. An album. Yeah, yeah, I got it on vinyl now, <laughs> and you can't tape over that. <laughs> But I ruined two of them by recording over Iron Man on both of them. Yep. on Because it was a 1970s, like late 70s, all in one stereo unit. Mm-hmm. It didn't have, you know, how on cassettes they have the little squares and it didn't have the safety. Mm-hmm. So I forgot that Live Evil was in there both times. What did you Twice. tape over it? Uh, I recall once it being... The Fresh Prince, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, their their um, their Freddy Krueger song. I don't remember the name of it. That goes well with uh, Live Evil. Perfect. I mean, it's 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 doomy. I mean, it, it's doom. It's doom pop hip hop, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it, so I, I couldn't. Even though it was like only thirty seconds till I realized what I had done, I still couldn't listen to the cassette ever again. For shame. For shame, for shame, indeed. Anyway. Uh, yeah, where were we? Yeah, exactly. So we, as we do now, we like to discuss somebody's, everybody's pop culture topic. And uh, it was suggested that we should discuss Japanese role-playing games, which personally is one of my absolute favorite topics. And I think it's actually a genre of video game that has kind of gone by the wayside as I see it because I've gotten old and, and curmudgeonly. But starting off, what are you playing right now that would qualify as a JRPG? Well, you're in luck. I'm currently playing Shining Force 3, the first scenario. The, okay. So you do you of the have Japanese translate uh, the English translation of the Japanese one. Oh, I know I had them all. Okay. Uh, I also had a copy of the Eng- I had the English translation and I had all three Japanese translations. And I bought those personally at the time when I was big into look at these amazing rare games I have rather than mm-hmm. I'm buying games I love. And right. what I didn't know about myself 
was I hate strategy RPGs. I like them to an extent, but some of them get a little too much for me. I think my real severe hatred of them is my complete lack of ability to do them. I have a hard time with a lot of the um, action RPGs, which unfortunately have gained a lot of traction because I have a bunch of them, but I, I really don't know why. I prefer the, the turn base. The action ones can be good to an extent, but it seems like the turn base has fallen by the wayside. And I like to play and put my controller down, grab a cup of tea, take a walk outside, come back, finish the battle. I don't know. It's just me. I completely agree. And that's why I loved the game arts games, specifically the Lunar series. Mm -hmm. I loved Lunar 1, Lunar 2. I still have both of those only on PlayStation PlayStation at this point. I did have the Sega CD versions at one time as well. Mm -hmm. I only have the first one. When when I there was one day I was in I was in my favorite video game store and I remember this guy talking about I got this game and I got that game and I thought wow why am I holding on to these things I'm never gonna play just so I can impress people like this that I don't like. And that was when I started liquidating. Then I actually sold off probably a good two thirds of my collection at that moment in order to play Final Fantasy XI in Japanese online. Wow. I didn't, the problem was I didn't have a system. So I had to get the system, the hard drive, and the game. I've been curious about that Final Fantasy. I had a friend that played that religiously for a while, but I never got into it. I guess I didn't have a, a good connection for the interwebs or something like that that in my opinion is my favorite final fantasy game i'm not a big fan of the final fantasy series partially because i don't like timer i don't like time i don't like the timer system they used mm-hmm. um i don't like and, and i mean that's the biggest part of it right there is i don't like that that battle system and it's also really difficult when you're playing Final Fantasy VIII or Final Fantasy VII in Japanese or Final Fantasy IX. I tried seven, eight, nine, and I didn't get a real strong connection to anyone but eight. But it's real when you don't speak Japanese very well, which I did not at that time. It's very difficult to find the potion and find the right spell when you're on a timer-based system. When you're on a turn-based system, it's fine. But yeah, so my that, favorite that was Final Fantasy is the first one. I did not much care for the first one. Uh, I like Dragon Warrior. Dragon Warrior oh, yeah. was just more about... See, and, and Dragon Warrior is really what personally drove how I play video games. There was no <laughs> story. Dragon took over. Save princess, save world. Yay. That, yeah. that, was, that was the whole thing. And so then I would talk to people years later. And they're like, oh, well, I like Final Fantasy because look at that story. And I'm like, I don't need a story. If I want a story, I, I got books. And so that's why I could easily switch to playing Japanese games. Yeah, the classic story of like evil bad guy and trying to destroy the world and then go defeat him. Actually, that brings me to something interesting. I've made an observation over the past years with most Japanese role-playing games in that you can tell you're getting to the end of the game when everything turns into technology. <laughs> when suddenly you're fighting robots and you're in space, you're like, okay, I'm probably on the last level or two. You know, you're absolutely right. Because now that I think about it, I was, and this goes back a while back, because I was playing, during the pandemic, I started buying a lot more turn-based old school RPGs that I hadn't finished. Mm-hmm. So I try, I have like uh, the first two evolution games for the Sega Dreamcast. Nice, I have the first one. 
and I think the first one's better than the second one. They try to like change it up a little bit. Mm, They always do. Yeah, they always do. But you know, and when you get to the last level, you're fighting the army. Before that, you were fighting monsters the whole time. And now you're on a battleship. And yeah, the last the last boss is a dude in a giant mecha suit. Yeah. And then final or not final fantasy with um magic knight ray earth you're fighting monsters the whole time having a great time and then the final battle sequence you're in giant robots Mm -hmm. interesting it all comes down to giant robots apparently yeah and now you're next time you play it you're going to see this and you'll say autumn was right no i already know you're right because i'm thinking back to games that i have played and i'll well i mean that's that's japan though it is japan and that's okay no, yeah, it totally is. Japan has a long history of uh, post-apocalyptic kind of media, and it goes back a lot farther than video games because mm-hmm. they've got. You know, there's one place in Japan where the volcano goes so much that it looks like it's snowing because they've got ash everywhere. I learned that in college. I am a fully college certified, which is not a thing, uh, 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 otaku expert now. Oh, congratulations. I took Can two I see courses. your certificate? It's, it's elsewhere. I took two courses. And I think ba- I took uh, Japanese pop culture courses, which I, I would highly recommend it if anybody has that opportunity to totally mm-hmm. do that. Because it. I, I was a non-traditional student. So, I mean, I went back to school 10 years, over 10 years ago now. And I really gained a much stronger appreciation for everything because I understood it far more. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, have you ever played the Grandia series? I have. I uh, I recently, well, not recently, somewhere over the pandemic, I played the first one. I didn't have it before. So I had finally got a copy of that. The second one on Dreamcast I've had for a long time. And that one is enjoyable too. And I think there were some of the weird later PlayStation ones I have. I might have one I haven't got into yet though. I Yeah, because there's Grandia Extreme which is mm-hmm. a side quest. Then there was Grandia 3. I tried playing that in Japanese and I got about halfway. Grandia 3, yeah, that's the one I played. Uh, Grand, the first Grandia was, in Japan, the PlayStation killer. That was, it was the Final Fantasy VII killer. Mm-hmm. And it sold just about as well as Final Fantasy VII did, even though there were so few, so much fewer, so many fewer Sega Saturn systems over there. And I tried playing it in Japanese and I just couldn't, couldn't get anywhere so mm-hmm. i tried playing the english port on um on the playstation and the english port was so terribly done that i just couldn't i mean maybe if i no i, I still would have noticed it was slow it was buggy it was hard to port things from the sega saturn to anything else because of how weird that system was yeah you know, I, I would that they could have translated a lot more um, or, or put into an, the American market or something. A lot of the um, other RPGs that they have on the Sega Dreamcast, because I feel like with only a rudimentary knowledge of Japanese, I'm missing out on so many amazing games. I just use walkthroughs when I get stuck. I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit it. And if you can, if you can read Katakana, and if you can read a few like geographical words, mm-hmm. you can really do a lot more than you would think because 90% of the items are in Katakana. And oh, wow. Then if you play games like Grandia, it's like got an herb. <laughs> it's a picture of an herb. 
and it's like, oh, well, that probably heals you. Yeah. And actually, Grandia 2 was the first Japanese RPG I played all the way through with almost no walkthrough. Oh, wow. There was one spot in the middle where I just couldn't figure out what to do in the town. Mm-hmm. And so apparently I had to like talk to a mayor and then find a hole behind him or something. I don't remember. Yeah, sometimes it's just a little too like, how was I going to know that this could possibly happen? Yeah, there's one game I have for the Sega Saturn, which unfortunately was never ported. It's not an RPG. It's, um, um, for lack of a better term, it's a Resident Evil knockoff called Deep Fear, mm-hmm. where you're on a submarine. You're on a, a water like base. submarines. And it's a, it's a downed submarine the thankfully all the cutscenes are in english so it mm-hmm. makes it a little easier to get through to get make some get some time through but a lot of the puzzles in that game are like holy hell how am i supposed to know to go get a burger to give to a dog that i've never even seen yeah like that's that's not a thing that I'm, i don't know well, um, and a, a little digression one of my favorite submarine games is 688 attack sub on the second genesis uh, my favorite submarine game is Oh, crap. What's it called? Silent Service. Yes. Yes. Silent Service. I only beat it one time, but wow, that was like that. one day. I mean, yeah, I beat it once. And that was like, usually I was just an ensign, you know, abandoning ship because they ran out of torpedoes. But yes, I, I did beat it once. I also beat Defender of the Crown once. Wow. Once. That game is hard. Uh, Shingen the Ruler never got anywhere i I can't get too far in that one either um i would like i think that shingen the ruler is the was like the japanese one that they ported and just changed it up a little bit but i can't prove that um but going back to grandia a little bit i I like to flex the fact that i actually beat that in japanese so that's a big deal for me no that's a you should get a certificate of participation for that i agree i mean i you know i'm all about participation trophies because, you know, that's most of my life. But that's neither here nor there. What I liked about that game was I think that had the best battle. I mean, that was the best battle system ever. It was turn-based and timer-based. But when your mm-hmm. turn came up, everything paused. That's the way it should be. Yes, I agree. Wholeheartedly. That's what I didn't like about, again, you know, going back to it. That's what I didn't like about Final Fantasy Eleven or Final Fantasy Seven and Eight is that that battle scene that it was yeah they got me with that too i i started to to lose it when you know something else i kind of that gets me is sometimes is when they take away a favored character during the story Mm. so i'm kind of like i've been working on this person for a while and now he's out of the story of like he's got all my items and i didn't know that was going to happen here's here's how you check to see if that's going to happen you're playing the game, you've got it, you know, you obviously, you know, it's an RPG. So if you're playing a turn-based, turn-based JRPG, of course, you've got your fighters, your magic user, your cleric. And then all of a sudden somebody else shows up who does something that the other one does. That other one's not staying. I see. Like in Lunar, you know, you get, you, you start working on Luna, she get her happy and healthy and everything's great. And then all of a sudden Jessica shows up who can heal. Hmm. Well, mm. All you can do is heal. Now that you mention it. Yeah. Did you ever play Albert Odyssey, though? That was an interesting one. I it did. Is, it is the only game I can name where the strongest fighter was also the strongest healer. Yeah, I, I borrowed that from a friend. I was I was definitely a little taken aback when it ended before the game began. Um, 
it was just going through that beginning part and then it seemed like the, there was no more story and then they revive it and you get to the main Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening today. I don't know if you noticed, but the interview with Autumn kind of ended slightly abruptly. For the first time since I have upgraded my router here at home, my internet crashed and it cr we started a second time and it crashed again. So she had told me when we came back for the second time that she has a slight issue with technology breaking on her. And, you know, maybe, maybe she's got something right there. So maybe there was a ghost in the machine and unfortunately just, we ran out of time. So I hope you enjoy everything we got to today. Please check out the new single by forever autumn. If you can, and go ahead and go to Bandcamp and check out the latest album they've got coming out. It's a newer or EP. It's a, it's a newer kind of kind of music, and I hope you totally dig it. I'm going to put a link down in the description of this episode, and hopefully everybody enjoys that, and everybody has enjoyed what we have brought this week on the Glacially Musical Podcast. And there's going to be, going forward, there's always going to be some rambling on my part. There's going to be some news on my part, reading some press releases and talking about albums upcoming that I am excited about personally, like Old Man Wizard and Bizarre. Actually, the Bizarre press release got me kind of intrigued. And we'll always have guests, and hopefully we will have a musical history segment each week. Because if I can bring you two, podcast, two episodes of the podcast a week, hopefully that is something that people will enjoy. And if you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Spotify or however you're doing it. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that if episodes are downloaded, you do better. So if you can download them on iTunes, I would appreciate that. But if you could also rate and review the show, even if you're going to say that I'm uttered total awfulness, I would appreciate it. If you can like the Glacially Musical Facebook page, of course, the address of that is facebook.com slash Glacially Musical. The Glacially Musical Instagram page is instagram.com slash Glacially underscore musical. And you can actually get a hold of me in all that kind of good stuff at those locations. I will always accept messages and I appreciate everybody for listening and hopefully you will tune in next week for the new direction we are going in. It's still, I think on brand for what I do as a journalist and it's a bit better for everybody listening. In the meantime, this is the Glacially Musical Podcast. It doesn't play in Peoria. Have a great week.